Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Uh, But in June of 1969, the police raided the Stonewall Inn. It was a mafia-run sodomite bar in New York City. It was in uh, you know, that, that, that's the big thing that kicked this thing off. And uh, police prayed that. And next thing you know, someone shouts gay power, and then you got three days of a riot going on. That following year, in, that, uh, in June of 1970, they had the first gay pride parade in the cities of Chicago, New York, L.A., and San Francisco. Now, that was back before I was even born. Some of you older than me may remember those news clippings and remember what went on. And in 1978, a drag queen sodomite named Gilbert Baker created this flag to celebrate and memorialize their lifestyle. Sadly, in June of 2000, Fast forwarding quite a bit of years, good old former President Clinton names June Gay and Lesbian Pride Month. So much for righteous leadership. June of 2016, fast forward, Obama designates officially the Stonewall National Monument going all the way back to that June of 1969 three-day riot. And so here we are in a nutshell in a few minutes. That's how we got here this fast. And people say, well, how do these things happen that fast? Well, if you'd look at just from 1969 to current day, you're talking over 50 years of building and organizing and scheming and sinning. And believe me, we can go back way before 1969, and we can see there's nothing new under the sun, really. There really isn't. So we're going to go through the colors, and we'll use this flag as a way to witness to the to the unsaved. It, look, to me, it's just another group of unsaved people. I'm telling you, we spent down in Sparta. We were down there uh, probably about an hour and a half, and one of the first people that I got to speak to one-on-one was a Jehovah's Witness. And we tarried for about 35 minutes. And you know what that group hates? The sodomite lifestyle. You know what that group hates? Sinful living. But you know what that group doesn't have? The saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, So guess what place they are going to go when they die? The same place that the sodomites going to go if they don't trust Christ. <laughs> you can tell me till you're blue in the face that there is no hell and all we're going to do is cease to exist. And you can tell me that God is going to just raise us up and some will be able to inherit the earth. And you can give me all that JW doctrine, all truth from the Bible, just completely misplaced. But there are just... They are just in need of a savior. 
as that sodomite crowd we preached to last weekend. They are. They are. So you know what we do? We preach the gospel. We don't go and protest against groups. We're against everything. <laughs> We're against every group that doesn't believe the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That makes sense. So their first color is red. Go back to Leviticus uh, chapter number 17. You all know this passage. It's very short, but I'd like to get into the Bible early. Leviticus chapter 17. First color on their uh, rainbow flag is red. And when you look at it, it's supposed to signify life. The Bible says in Leviticus 17, verse number 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. The life of the flesh is in the blood. You know, physically, blood preserves life. That baby in the womb, the moment it's conceived, it gets life from mama's blood. At 18 days, that baby in the womb has its own blood cells. At 22 days, that baby in the womb starts to have its own heart that's beating. You've got life in that womb. It's interesting to me that the same crowd that flies the rainbow flag and lives a wicked, sinful lifestyle, and they want red to symbolize life, that same crowd agrees with murdering unborn children in the womb. It's the same crowd that believes the same thing. But not only do you get physical life, the only way you can get spiritual life is through the blood, through the blood. First John one. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. The blood of Christ saves from sin. The blood of Christ cleanses from sin. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood so you want to talk about the rainbow flag let's start with the color red let's start with red meaning life i'm telling you you can open up a whole can of great conversations right there life in the blood all right let's go to isaiah 53 their next color is orange let's look at isaiah 53 Orange stands for healing. Red, you look at their flag, you look at their chart. Red is for life. Orange is supposed to symbolize healing. Isaiah 53, you bring them right there. Say, let's talk about that orange color on your flag. <laughs> and ask them to go to Isaiah 53. You'll be surprised. Many of them will go through the Bible with you. Uh some will just yell and scream at you, but many, many will talk with you. Isaiah 53, verse number three. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised as we esteemed him not. And they certainly despise our Savior. Verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Watch this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And look at this last verse. It's beautiful. And with his stripes, we are healed. You want to talk about healing? See if they'll read Isaiah 53, those verses. With you. you want to talk about orange? You want to talk about healing? You let them read Isaiah 53, you don't even have to bring up their specific abominable against nature sins. Isaiah 53 will speak for itself. You've done iniquity. You want healing? It's only going to come through one way. It was the pride of the Jews that put Jesus Christ on the cross, wasn't it? And it's the power of the Romans that crucified him. They don't need gay power. <laughs> they need, look, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What does it say? It is the power of God unto salvation. What's the answer to this thing? The gospel. You say, Brother Jimmy, that's so simple. Don't we need to do something else? No. As a New Testament church, we don't need to do anything else. We need to preach the gospel. I'm not telling you not to vote, but voting in the more conservative candidate, whatever that even means nowadays, isn't going to change anybody's soul. Do you know you can have the most conservative political candidate but he's lost and on his way to hell. Do we realize that? Do you know you can probably get a good old conservative Mormon from the good old state of Utah, and he probably can get voted president? Didn't one of them almost, didn't that almost happen to one time in, in our history? What does that mean? Well, it means we have someone that might share some of our conservative values. What we are keying in on is, well, what happens when that person dies? Are they going to go to heaven based on a shared set of conservative values? I don't think so. You don't think so either. Power of God unto salvation. Go to Psalm 103. Look at that. Psalms 103. First verse, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was within me, bless his holy name. You'll be surprised how many of them curse God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Oh, how quickly do they forget that God has given them health, given them wealth, given them money to spend on their wicked lifestyle, given them sunshine. Giving them a gospel witness. What do they do? They forget all that. They forget the benefits that they have been blessed with by God. 
Watch verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Now I know this is a nation passage. But isn't it interesting that that lifestyle does bring upon it a host of awful diseases that normal heterosexual activity does not bring? It is interesting. Within the confines of a biblical marriage, you don't have any threat or any problem with getting any of these awful diseases that are contracted by those living this wicked lifestyle. God heal it. Whom redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. We have a redeeming Savior. We have a loving Savior. We have a merciful Savior. And we have a Savior that will satisfy. And ultimately, rebellion against God, especially in that lifestyle, they're just not satisfied with how God made them. And they're just going to rebel against them. They can get healing. They can get healing by, with his stripes, we are healed. Yellow is supposed to symbolize new ideas. Go to uh, uh, go to Leviticus chapter number thirteen. Leviticus chapter number thirteen. Look at verse number thirty. Let's see where that color shows up in the Bible and what that symbolizes. Leviticus chapter number thirteen. Look at verse number. Uh, 30. Then the priest shall see the plague and behold, if it be in sight deeper than the skin and there be in it a yellow thin hair, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a dry skull, even the leprosy upon the head or beard. You know what yellow is symbolizing here in Leviticus? Someone that's unclean and someone that has leprosy. We all know from reading the Old Testament in Leviticus. Look at verse 32. And on the seventh day, the priest shall look on the plague. And behold, if the skull spread not, and there be in it no yellow hair. They're looking for the color yellow on that hair. Isn't that interesting? And the skull be not in sight deeper than the skin. Then go down to verse 36. We'll see it show up again. Then the priest shall look on him, and behold, if the skull be spread in the skin, the priest shall not seek for yellow hair. He is unclean. Yellow is the color that they're looking for, and it shows that that person has leprosy and they're unclean. Now, a couple of things about leprosy. Well, number one, if you had it, you were pronounced unclean. Number two, Leprosy causes a decrease in sensation of the nerves. So you have loss of feeling when you have leprosy. So if you touch, put your hand in a fire, there's a good chance you wouldn't feel 
the burn. You wouldn't have the consequence of that. And if you cut yourself, you might not even feel it. So the one of the res, the result of leprosy is a lot of people lost their limbs. Yes, the skin disease itself, but also the numbing of the senses of the nerves played a factor as well. What does that mean for us today? That means, and by the way, leprosy has not been eradicated. We don't see it in the United States as, as, as much, but it's not been eradicated. But you know what that means spiritually for us? We know leprosy symbolizes what in the Bible? Sin. What do we all have as being that we inherited from Adam? Sin. As a result, we are unclean. <laughs> no matter where you look, we're unclean. And you know what that means? That uncleanness has numbed our senses. We touch sin and we don't think it's any harm. Yet we're losing our limbs. We're losing our life. That's what's happening with this crap. They're sin sick. They're spiritually dead. They have the sin that causes them just like it caused us. Oh, I could just put my hand in the fire. I will get burned. Except they are being burned. And it's going to cause them to lose their life. God has a procedure to cure that. <laughs> the blood of Jesus Christ. Go to Mark chapter number one. Remember, all sin is, it's just transgression of the law. That's what first John tells us. It's transgression of the law. Mark chapter number one. Look at verse number 40. Mark chapter one, verse 40. Look who comes to Jesus. Verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. That leper came knowing that Jesus Christ could make him clean. And that he knew what the will of Jesus Christ was. And I know it's hard, hard to Keep your heart right when you're dealing with this crap. If you have to deal with it one time, that's fine. But if you do public evangelism on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, you will start to have a real different attitude toward the gospel and just how important it is. But you can also get real bitter because it ain't like it's putting a meme on the Internet. You're not texting somebody a cool meme. Look, I do it. I've got them. I think they're funny. But when you have to deal with somebody regularly and speak to them and keep a Christian testimony <laughs> and not punch them in the neck <laughs> and not yell at them when they're yelling at you, 
that's hard. Men, honestly, what would you be thinking when you have a bunch of sodomites taking their rainbow stickers and poking you with them? What are you thinking? Oh, I can't wait to hold hands with this guy and skip around singing. God is love. God is love. All we do is think that God is love. No, you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I'm ready to. You got to get your heart right real quick. Because you probably could accomplish what you were thinking. But who would that accomplishment be for? my pride and your pride and it wouldn't accomplish anything for the kingdom of God so we need to be careful Christ was willing to heal and watch what he does and Jesus verse 41 moved with compassion and uh, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him I will be thou clean be thou clean you can go to this color yellow go to Leviticus 13 Go to Mark chapter 1 and show them that Jesus wills. Jesus wants to clean you. And he can. And he will. So we can use what they use and just speak to them right from the Bible. And hopefully they see the truth. Next color is green and it stands for prosperity. Now let's go to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. They categorize green, the green color, with the word prosperity. You know, you think you're safe, you think you're prosperous, but really you're in trouble. And that's the idea here. And they might get all the money that they want from different government programs, and they might get their monuments, and they might get their month, and they might get everything that they want on their agenda, but they're not free from trouble. Look at verse number 73, uh, chapter number 73, verse number, uh, verse number three, Psalm 73, verse number three. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, you got to know the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. All we are dealing with is unfoolish sinners. Isn't it easy to get bitter? Why do they have their month? Why? Why don't we have Christian month and we have big parades where everybody just preaches the gospel and and then everybody goes out and knocks on doors and then everybody picks a downtown and uh, every downtown in every state in America is covered with a gospel witness. Why don't don't you think why don't we have our month? Am I the only one that thinks that? <laughs> Well, remember Psalm 73. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Be careful of getting envious because they have their month and you don't have your month. Look at it like this. We do have a month. A month to go out and reach those folks for Jesus Christ. Where else are you going to find them? <laughs> what are you going to go to the gay bar on Friday? Nobody's, no Christian's doing that. You're not doing that. They have a public event on public streets with public sidewalks. Oh, great. I can go talk to them. You ain't getting to them any other way. They're not subscribing to your 
Facebook or YouTube or a website newsletter. They're not. So look at it. Look at it that way. Look at verse number four. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compassed them about. Pride's the problem as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Verse 7, their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart can wish. They're corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Now, some practical application. We're not doing a doctrinal study on the book of Psalms, but doctrinally, we can say practically, that isn't that where we're at with lost people, no matter their sin. Isn't that where we're at? Their mouth is set against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Now, we were at Livingston last night. After Sparta, we got worn out by Jehovah's Witness. And uh, we <laughs> and we go down to Livingston and pretty much well received, except one guy. He said to me very rudely, I don't believe in I don't want that stuff. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. So I said to him, I said, okay, I appreciate your comment. I said, but what if I told you God doesn't believe in atheists? I put him through the roof. He began with a tirade of potty mouth words that I don't want to think and, I don't, and I'm not going to say. But he made sure everybody heard him curse God. And he didn't care that there were children around. So I told him, how about you watch your mouth around young kids? You would think, you would think for the sake of the weaker, that if you and I have an argument, we're just going to say, yeah, you know what, kids are around, we'll just cool it. Not in today's day and age. He proceeded to curse more. You may never have a, some beef with somebody and you just, you know, for the sake of the kids, we'll just quit. <laughs> It's called the man. It's called manning up. It's called the manly thing to do. We're going to think of the women. We're going to think of the children. And you and I, we're just going to, we're just going to cease. No, not him. So that conversation wasn't going anywhere. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that when we go out and do public ministry, And we have good reception and everybody says, thank you for being here. This is great. I'm a Christian. Can I have another one? I'd like to give it to a friend. And you get honks and thumbs up as they're driving by. And would you go home from that and say, wow, that was really fruitful. I really think the Lord blessed it. Whatever your answer is, I don't think that. Now, let me qualify my answer. I'm not looking for safe people. <laughs> it is a blessing that you hear, great job, keep it up. Until you think it through for a few minutes and you realize they ain't doing nothing. What do you mean, great job, keep it up? How about I need to do a better job? Can you help me keep it up? 
you haven't you're praising the Lord that you're saved and you say, well, we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. Well, wait a minute. You haven't told anybody the main thing in 30 years. You got saved in 1990 and you've not told anybody about Jesus. Now, that's a sad place to be in modern American evangelicalism. All they do is come to church and want to see if the preacher aligns with what they believe. And as soon as the preacher says something that they don't like, they're gone. And they either create their own home church or they find somebody on the Internet where they can just listen to the stuff that they like. But a fellowship is getting along with people so that we can go out and find a lost person. So I think it's fruitful. I think the Lord blesses it. When. We knock on the door or we go down to the square or we talk to somebody and they say, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I don't believe that. Because that's why we went to find somebody that doesn't believe what we believe. We're trying to get the gospel into a lost and dying world. So when someone says, well, what good does it do to, to go down and talk to the sodomites? I'll tell you what good it does. We find a lost person that needs to hear about Jesus Christ. Let's not lose the opportunity. I'm not telling you to bring your young ones down there. I'm not telling you to bring your wives down there. I'm talking about, okay, let's keep this thing in context. It's fruitful if when Chris is sowing seed and giving gospel tracts out, that someone goes, nah, you take that back. I don't want nothing to do with your God. And Chris can kindly say, I'm sorry you feel that way. If you'd like to talk about it, I can show you how to drink of the living water. I don't want to hear it. Okay, okay. You don't want to hear it. Please consider it. We're looking for that crowd. We come to church as saints and we gather with each other. I'm looking for I'm looking for some saints to get give me some help on Sunday. But not when we go out and sow seed. We're looking for lost people. So we're looking for. Them. So don't doubt for a minute that God is just. You look at Psalm 73. Let's get back because um, why, why we bring it is found in verse number 18. Why we bring the gospel, that is, uh, because destruction is going to come. Verse number 18. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casteth them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment. They're utterly consumed with terror. Somebody drops into hell, that's it. As a dream, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Destruction's coming. Save them. You can't save it. You know what I mean. Bring the saving gospel to them. Go to Psalm 107. We'll look at blue. Psalm 107. Uh, they categorize blue as with the word, word serenity or calmness. Psalm 107, verse number 29, the Bible says, He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. And Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, you know what happened? With Jesus out in the, on, on the boat, there was a great, Oh. 
if he can calm the oceans with a word, those raging, raging waves, just by speaking a word, how much more do you think he can calm the perverted passions of the LGBTQ community? He can calm the agitation of their sinful passions. He can. We must preach Christ. And nothing, if you look at God's creation, really defines calmness as perfectly as You know, you just look out in the lake or you just look out in the ocean. It's perfectly calm. There's no wind that causes a ripple. There's no boat where there's a wake after it. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of calmness. You see a lot of these pictures or a lot of these memes or a lot of these cards where when it's talking about verses of calmness, it'll sometimes have, you know, a lake or a body of water where there's, where there's nothing. It's just, oh, it's a beautiful thing. That's God. That's God. All boats are at perfect rest. That's God. Someone's soul, they're just being tossed. They have anguish. They have guilt. They have confusion. God can calm it. None other but God. Lastly, they have one more color, purple. Go to John 19. And we'll wrap it up. Well, two more, a couple more verses we'll do, but we'll, we're, we're starting to wrap up. John 19. And get Mark 15. John 19, look at verse number two. John 19, verse number two. And the soldiers plated a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto him, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus, then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. That's one of the colors that a royal king would wear. We all know the context. They're mocking our Savior. They're mocking our Savior. They wave that flag. And they want to say purple as spirit is what they associate that color with. They're waving it in the mockery of God. The mockery of what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. Go to Mark 15. We'll see it again. Look at verse 17. And they clothed him with purple and plated a crown of thorns and put it about his head. They clothed them with the robe of shame and contempt, which is what they wanted to do. It's what they did do. And he did it. He despised the shame. He did it so that you and I and that sodomite crowd could be clothed with righteousness. Now, I wouldn't do that for them. I don't want my kids anywhere near that crowd. Do you? Who's going to tell them? They can be clothed with righteousness. Look at Mark 15, verse 20. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and let him out to crucify him. In their own wicked, twisted, 
perverted mind. It was a way, even as a mockery, to unking him. If purple's supposed to be the royal color for a king, let's put it on Jesus Christ and let's mock him and let's laugh at him and let's, yeah, let's unking this so called king and they take it off. A mockery of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a shame. And as shameful as it is, so much the more we need to bring the saving gospel to them. This really is, this really is the last, the last verse. I'll, I'll cut her short for sake of time. Go to Genesis chapter 9. No lesson on the rainbow flag would be appropriate without going back to Genesis chapter 9. nine. The word is 90, isn't it? Look, look, look what it says in Genesis 9. You know what it says, but we'll just read it as way of review. Verse number 12, Genesis 9. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth. That the, bat, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. You can look up to God's promise and see the symbol of grace. You know what Noah found in the eyes of God? Grace. You know what we're not called to do? Go out and build an ark. We're trying to get people in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not into an ark. But you know what we can point them to? You get your rainbow flag. The next time it rains and then the sun goes out. Just look up in the clouds. Look up in the clouds. And remember God's grace. He said he would never destroy all flesh on the earth like that again. Remember God's grace. Now how does God save? By his grace. That flag that they're waving. They have in their hand a symbol of grace. Look up the next time it rains. God's grace. He loves you. He's not raining down fire and brimstone. He sent you a gospel witness. He sent you someone who sent you an email or a text or put something on your Facebook wall and lets you know God loves you. Use all the resources you can to get the gospel out. The also that you can look up and see God's patience right in the sky. He is restraining his anger or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's not a month to celebrate sin. It's a month to preach the gospel to sinners. It's not a month to be proud of abominations. It's a month to repent of your abomination. And I'm telling you, if God restrains his anger, what does that mean? 
he's still angry. He's angry at the wicked every day. Well, praise God, he's restraining, restraining his anger. Yes, but don't say that as if it somehow left his character. No, it's still there. Habakkuk 2 says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The glory days are going to fade. And life is not going to be all rainbows and alphabet soup crowds running around the streets. Don't think, don't think that, that, that they have nothing to fear. They have a lot to fear. They can look up in the sky, see God's grace, God's patience, God restraining his anger. But don't let them think that anger is not going to befall them. Because if they die without the Savior, they're sunk. Use their rainbow flag to reach them with the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.